From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 211, and today I'm joined by independent filmmaker Rob Haggins. You can check out Rob's work on YouTube as well as social platforms. Just check out Bespeckled Mofo. He's made some great how-to videos like how to make a feature film for under $1,000, as well as many more. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Made in Heaven. I'm Jeremy, and I have absolutely not seen this film before. <laughs> and with me tonight is... Well, yeah, I'm Robert Higgins, uh, a.k.a. The, the Spectacle of Motho. Hello. Uh, and I have definitely seen this movie before. Uh, it's one of my favorite romantic films. And, You're the one that uh, pitched me on this, because I didn't even know this film existed. Yeah, I, I definitely wanted to. Uh, I'm glad that I, I brought it up. I was sort of prophetizing, uh, and I was like, "You haven't seen this movie? This movie's great." Um, I'm still hoping you're going to think it's great because it's definitely made in '87, and I don't think a lot of it has aged well. Oh, um, it's a, I can I can separate enough, but I can like get a. I'm very. I I, I purposely looked. At, I think I know. I think it's Timothy Hutton, isn't it? Is that right? Yeah, Timothy Hutton. That's and, like all I know is Timothy Hutton and the and the and the poster is two babies and yeah and Deborah Winger is in it and I I, I will I will challenge you about that when we come back um, the the Deborah Winger's part okay fascinating yeah so um, I'm I'm curious about like I can kind of like go on some weird you know thought patterns for for what I think it's about given the title and knowing it's a romantic comedy but I've purposely avoided reading too much about it just because it's one of those things where i'm like i love it when i can go into a movie that i know nothing about especially one that's been around for a couple decades and somehow missed me completely so is this like an underknown like a lesser known gem yeah it's like it was like a cult movie almost it's just one of those movies that like has a really strong following of like underground folks but it doesn't like it, I don't know. I don't know if it like it was a big hit on on box office mojo or whatever. Like, like I'd have to like look that up. But like, it definitely um, has an underground following. It was a big hit in my house growing up, and I think the release date and my sister are nine months apart. And I think that movie may be responsible for my sister. I'm not quite sure about that. I haven't, haven't. I'm too scared to ask my parents. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Because that, so your parents love this movie. My parents are, are were extremely ecstatic. There were certain movies that were just like, uh, you know, that were like gospel in our house. It was like this movie and The Godfather and um, the 
the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like there's certain oh, the BBC, the BBC yeah, series, the old BBC series. We oh, had, I had that. I had that on D, on VHS. Yeah, we had those the two tape version with the, that came with the book. Yeah. Um the little box set. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mine yeah. didn't come with the book. It was just this two, and I got it in. Um, where did I get it? I found it at this weird, weird small video store, and I was so pumped when I found it because I'd never been able to see it anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I loved that book as a kid. Yeah, me too. I still have the the Babelfish monologue, uh, you know, sort of memorized. I refuse to prove that I exist, says God. Poor proof denies faith, and without faith, I am nothing. Um, like I, that whole <laughs> that movie is just. Uh, I mean, that book is is extremely important to me, um, and uh, I love Douglas Adams, uh, one of the greatest satirists of all time, um, one of the greatest writers of all time, and of course, one of the first. Uh, founding members of the, well, maybe not founding members, but definitely uh, one of the most prolific uh, or important part of the uh, OG Doctor Who writing staff uh, for a, for a long time. And Doctor Who was another one of those things in my house where we all just grew up like watching Doctor Who before it got super popular, <laughs> like everywhere. Um, like I remember us sitting down to like to watch the um, the BBC Fox co-production of the Paul McGann like Eighth Doctor special, um, way back in '96 or '97 and stuff like that, and having that on tape, and everybody was like at school being like, "You're like, what? You get beat up for watching Doctor Who, for liking Doctor Who back in the day, <laughs> like nerd." It was like the ultimate nerd cred. Now it's like everybody's in the Doctor Who. Everybody's got a sonic screwdriver. Um, yeah. you, you, were the, you, were, you were cool before it was cool no I, it, that's the thing it wasn't cool you couldn't be cool growing up like doctor <laughs> <laughs> like but I do I will say that like I don't want very much from my father and that's another conversation entirely but when my father dies he has these beautiful frosted uh, mugs that turn blue when you have cold uh, uh like water or whatever in them while they're bourbon glasses so cold bourbon in there or bourbon with ice i guess um and it turns tartus blue uh like when you put the cold liquid in them and uh those are the only thing i want for my father when he dies i swear to god if he said if he like gives them to my sister if he leaves them to my sister i will be pissed but like those are the only thing he got them because he like literally supported uh public television back in the day we were big supporters of that because that was the only way that you could see doctor who in the states uh growing up was it used to come on at midnight uh east coast time uh in the united states uh on public television that was the only way that you could see doctor who growing up it wasn't like the instant access stuff you guys all stayed up and uh yeah, it was like a it was a big deal because they would hit you with uh, Doctor Who. No, they would hit you with Red Dwarf at eleven, and then Doctor Who at twelve. So it was like this like power hour, power hour and a half of like British television it was amazing, and that was like me from ages five to like uh, middle school, pretty much it was just that kind of stuff. Us on the couch on Saturday nights watching that man. Nice. Do- Doctor Who is one of my big black holes. 
and I've always wanted to, but it's always one of those things where I'm like, there's so much. So much of it. You could never. It's literally the longest running television show in existence. You could never. Yeah, it would take me years to catch up. Yeah, even at this point, trying to go back to like Christopher Eccleston, even if you only went back to like New Who, like back to 2005, you're still talking like 13 seasons now. Like, oh, it would take you forever. Um, and it's so it's such an emotional journey getting there. You like crash emotionally right around like 11 and be like, all right, I'm good. I'm out. I can't even get to Capaldi. I can't do it. Um, but yeah, man, just the emotional drain of, of that because there's so much death. <laughs> so much death in Doctor Who. Characters dying and, and being left behind and all these other things. And then they're just like, oh, the whole... And then, of course, the whole thing about Doctor Who is like... Yeah, I know that. They just reboot. It's not just like a... like a When one person dies, it's like a whole reboot, like the showrunner, everything. And then everything... like And then people just ixnay what they don't want and bring keep what they do. It's like, those rules don't work anymore. These rules do. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, and so you're just like, oh, okay. It's this roving band of continuity that just, like... We're, this is a thing now, and that's a thing. And then, but that's what grow- people love about it, right? Isn't it that it's like this constantly evolving thing? Yeah, I, well, depends on who you ask. Because if you talk to like certain people, like you know, like me, like that's fine. It's sort of the the things of the whole show. But like, you know, something happened a few, well, not even a few seasons ago, like last season, where they did it again, where they were just like, "This is canon now. This is from now on, this is the thing we like, and it's not anything different than what they've done half a million times before. And then doctor who fans were like, what? She just threw up their hands and lost their minds and stuff like that. I'm just like, guys, literally they've done it before. Calm yourselves. They'll do it again. Yeah. And they're going to reset it again in a couple of years anyway. So calm the fuck down. (laughs) Just get over yourselves. They're going to keep doing this. The show is over 60 years old. Okay. They got to keep it fresh. Get yeah. over yourselves. Yeah, you signed up for this. Stop fucking around. Right. <laughs> eat, eat a cookie and move on. Like, you know, uh, come on, man. Like, whatever, man. Um, and there's some legit gripes with the show that I've had, but, like, that's not one of them. Um, but anyway, yeah, so this movie definitely ranks up there in sort of that hierarchy of, like, the things that The movies in uh, your household. Yeah, the movies of my household, the things loved by both me and my parents that sort of we can sort of bond over. Oh, nice. Uh, and it was weird because I remember, like, I back in, you know, the before, before times, like, I was working at a video store, and right when they switched over to DVD, like, uh, the video store I was working in was like, okay, we're going to sell all these VHS tape, tapes so we can get them out of the store, um, you know, but I'm not going to give them to you guys uh the employees like i'm not going to give it to you guys like you guys are going to have the same crack as everybody else but you guys are going to discount if you guys so we like waited i remember the saturday morning that the sale was supposed to start up i was like pumped because there were two movies that i wanted to make sure that i got one was the wizard with fred savage and the other one was this movie um and there were exactly two tapes of this in the store and so i came in like i was working that day so bright and early like like I think it was 10 o'clock and the store had only been open for an hour and one of the tapes was already gone. Like somebody got and gotten this tape. Like they were waiting for it to save as me. And I was like, holy crap. If I waited another hour, I might not have gotten this. This is crazy. And the wizard was gone. The wizard <laughs> was gone. 
So I never got that Fred Savage tape. Um, but yeah, so I still own that, my VHS copy of this movie. And it was never transferred over to DVD. Missed both DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, but you can get it digitally now. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to be watching it on Apple TV. So I'm going to watch it on uh, Amazon. But I yeah, do, so. Is it on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on, well, it's not on Prime, but you can buy oh, you it, can, it. You can yeah. rent it through there. Nice. That reminds me of like what you were saying, like when um, all the, so many of the video stores in Toronto were like slowly closing down one by one. Uh, it was just like mixed feelings I had because one, they were selling off all their inventory mm-hmm. so for a nerd who likes to collect physical media. I'm like, Oh fuck. Gotta get in there. But it was also it's like, Oh, this place is dying. Like, I'm visiting a, I'm visiting a graveyard right now. Yeah. Fucking pilfering it. <laughs> but I was paying, looting it for all the riches, looting it for all the riches, but it was just, you gotta get there. You gotta get up there, get over that criterion section, pilfer that first. But it was also it was like one of those things like you, you sons of bitches. Like you're still gonna rake me through the ass for the prices for these criterions, even though you're closing sale, you bastards. I remember we had a pretty decent anime section, and the anime section was just decimated that morning. Like the kids came in, the fans came in and just ran it out of town. Cause it like they just took everything. Cause at that point, anime was still like one of those things that you had to get. You know, there was so much bootleg in that early transition of like early dvd like to from vhs like there was so much bootleg and a lot of the anime and stuff like that was bootlegged and and different things and you had to get japanese imports and stuff like that so when the sales like that came up of stuff that was already subtitled um in the original japanese language people just grabbed it up without any sort of thing and just came in and just like every copy <laughs> of la blue girl just gone um like yeah but uh i do miss video stores because they're, you know, I feel like more so than like, um, you know, because you could obviously never keep up with the selection now that everything is like, there's a million everything and with yeah. digital stuff like that and services. But the social experience of going to the video store is... There's nothing like it. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's in a way, it's like, it was the closest thing I had to, you know, outside of being forced to go to Catholic school and church there, it was like the closest thing that I had to like religion as a kid in, in church, like going into this hallowed space where I was just surrounded by things that inspired me and that I loved, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was uh, like a movie clubhouse. You know what I mean? It was just yeah. one of those things. And you could start up a conversation with people cause you're in close Anybody. proximity. Yeah, and people would see, oh, you're written that? Oh, that's great. Have you seen that? And you might bond with this whole total stranger over like that, just like one movie or something like that. I We used to love, like, as an employee, we used to love like playing certain like uh, like music uh, videos and stuff like that, like there were like the, the music concerts or like if somebody did like a string of uh, music video uh, things on tape, like Moonwalker or something like that just put on Michael Jackson and just watch the whole store just start singing under their breath, like that kind of stuff. There's nothing like that kind of experience anymore. Like you go to a movie theater and it's still weird. Like you can't accost a stranger, you know what I mean? Like talking to them about a movie, like that sort of thing. It's still weird to go and be like, what'd you think about the movie? People are like, get away from me, weirdo. It's not the same. The closest thing I have to that now, and not right now because everything is shut down here still, but there's this great my my uh, my local coffee shop that I go to is called the Sidekick Cafe, mm-hmm. and it's um, a comic book uh, coffee shop. Mm. So it's like half comic book store, half like cafe bakery, and they've got like area like couches and chairs and stuff. 
and she's got this one great area near the back with like sofas and chairs, armchairs, and an old fireplace is in there. But inside the fireplace is a big TV. Oh, like cool. A, like a big, like a four three, like old eighties like TV, and a VHS machine and nice. a library of awesome like old school VHSs in there. And so whoever sits in that area gets to like put on whatever tape they want in the background. And so I always, whenever I have a meeting, like that's my go-to spot. Oh, that would, yeah, I could see that. Well, that would be awesome. It's great. And I brought in, um, I meant to, I haven't done it. I have a bunch of VHS tapes. I'm going to donate to her next time I see her, but it's, it's, it's kind of the closest thing I have to that now. Yeah. You can just kind of like sit back and, and have that vibe. But it's so we're losing that. And that's the kind of thing. It, it's funny. Like I was, I remember when my son was really young and, and the one, the last one that was near our house, the video store was closing. And my son was just like, I was trying to explain to him the whole experience and what it meant to me. And he's like, well, why didn't you just watch things on Netflix when you were a kid? And I'm like, but we, <laughs> and I was like, and this is that one time where I watched my son's brain explode. Cause I was like, well, we didn't have Netflix. He's like, what do you mean you have Netflix? I'm like, we didn't have the internet. And it was like, oh, his brain just like, I don't, I'm sorry. What? What did you do in yeah. the dark ages before? Like we read books. Um, you know, like That's just it. It would have been like saying to me that my dad would have been like, well, we didn't have electricity. Like that right. would have been the equivalent kind of my, I don't get it. It's just the internet what? is just everywhere. How did you not have it? It's just everywhere. Yeah. What did you, you didn't have electric? What? You didn't um, have, but yeah, so his mind, just him, like, just trying to process that was, I think I broke him that day. Yeah, the idea of kids growing up and not knowing, uh, like, a video store world, like, my kids got lucky enough so that they still, they, they did, they got the last of it, but it's only, they got the DVD Blu-ray era of Blockbuster, and it was just Blockbuster, it wasn't like, you know, like no. a neighborhood. The mom, we have the neighbor ones here, yeah. we had them, but my son, my kids won't remember, my son was maybe... I think he was six when that thing closed down. So he'll have like the vaguest of memories of it. Yeah. They, my kids have really vague sort of like, well, they were a little older and stuff like that. They were right around, I think sort of middle school age when those things started to close up. But like, um, like for me, it won't be that whole thing of like, we used to have a routine. Like we would Friday nights, yeah. You know, we would go. We get a bunch of takeout. You know, everybody would get what their takeout was. We had our favorite takeout places, and then afterwards, we would go into the video store. They knew us by name, like you know that sort of thing. You were like, "Hey, what's going on?" And they were, "Hey, what?" You know, and everybody's talking. You know, we're going back and forth with the the customers. The customers knew each other. You know, everybody's in there on a Friday night looking for the right video, recommending things to each other. Did you see this? I saw that. Blah, blah, blah. Like that sort of thing. Just this camaraderie and then getting your videos and going home. You know, the the idea of of putting, you know, reservations out for videotapes, like that sort of thing. You had to call up. I remember remember calling and saying, hey, can I have this on the Friday? Or like, put me on the waiting list. And as soon as it's like, I remember calling up for new releases and getting on a waiting list. Yeah, man. Like, it was a whole People do not have that fucking patience now. Are you kidding me? If if they, like, everyone can own or rent whatever they want anytime now. Right. And people still get mad. But it's like. Does it work? What is this? Why is this not available on streaming? What The patience, the patience we used to have. We are not those people anymore. I just, that was just a, it was a fun time because, you know, you, 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 and then it was not necessarily like this thing where you're like flicking through Netflix for like 45 minutes trying to figure out what you're going to watch or something like that. It was like, we have one tape, 
that you're was committed. Our, yeah, you're committed to this movie experience. And then afterwards, we're going to have a discussion about this, you know, yeah. as a family and stuff like that, while we sat around stuffing our faces full of, you know, uh, uh, high fructose uh, fatty foods. You know, like, had, did you have one? What was great about our video store is if you bought it, they had like three different tiers of movies. It was like yellow tags and new movies. Blue tags were kind of older, newer kind of getting into old releases and the red tags the old older movies yeah, so yeah, red and, tags if you rent, old. and if you rented a new movie you got a free old movie too with it yeah and that some of them we they had a punch card for a while too it was like five, five uh new releases and you get like a new release for three but yeah if you rented like two new releases you got a, a like a, a a red tag free like that sort of thing it was like one of those things so you just you know go yeah. through if you're doing like like a big one if you somehow managed to come in and get two new releases that like if you came in like a month after you know it was good and then managed to rent like two new releases and then get yourself like a classic from like the the, the shelves Pat Os- Oswald has this great article he wrote a couple of years ago um just basically about how you know back in the day you had to like to be a nerd like to be a real proper nerd you had like the work you had to put in was insane like you had to like you know walk places go places like mail stuff like you just, like the research you had to do to be a proper nerd and find things that you liked yeah was work where now it's just like if you have the internet you can just sit in your ass and find all this shit in two seconds where like right. we had to like i remember like going on ebay and trying to find foreign films and just discs like and or just like like getting books to, to read the, you know, it's just, you just, even, and even the internet, like you had to know how to search the internet to find like these like blogs and like, you know, whatever electronic form of a zine, but and now just how easy it is to be like a nerd and how it's lost any of its real credibility. Well, like even like, you know, they used to have, you know, back when everything was paper and stuff like that, because before everything was, you know, the thing or the internet, whatever, but like there's specialized magazines and you had to pour through like different magazines for like a paragraph of info about the thing that you loved. And you would get a whole magazine literally for one paragraph about a video game or about a comic book that you loved or something like that, like, or a nerd show, you know, that was getting this treatment, that kind of stuff. Remember wizard magazine, remember wizard magazine. Like that was, it was like all things nerd. You bought a whole magazine because like Mike Waringo was teaching you how to draw Spider-Man inside the thing. You know what I mean? It was like one, like, like a whole, like $5 that you had to spend. You had to, and you had to go out to the store and get it. You had to go out to the store and find something, somebody that was doing Wizard Magazine. And it would be like someplace, it was usually someplace that sold porn. You know, like one of those type of things, one of those magazines in the in the. This is their demographic. This is their demo. They're buying porn and buying wizards. (laughs) These people buy two magazines. (laughs) It was one of those plastic magazines where, like, everything was wrapped in plastic because it would come with, like, you know, like a free disc or something like that. And a lot of them back in the day were coming with either free porn discs or, or like some sort of AOL like startup thing, like whatever, like that. At least in the states. Yeah, yeah, I remember so, the AL startup discs. We get them yeah. in the mail all the time. So it was just like, you know, you really you did have to put some work into being a real nerd, like that sort of stuff. You had to go and like find like uh like the books around things and stuff like that. I remember trying to being into to 
like, you know, from a movie perspective, trying to find screenplays, you had to search flea markets for like bootlegs of scripts. Yeah, Toronto and like, on Young Street, there was these, there's a couple of great stores that just had like these old milk crate boxes just full of scripts. And that was the only way to get them where now you can just, it's so easy to find them online. Yeah, like they literally just give them out every year. There's like a, a dump of like the most of the, all the scripts that are up for awards and different things or the scripts that are even want to be considered for awards. They just dump them all online. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know, that kind of stuff and trying to, and people out. don't read them because it's like, cause it's not hard to find anymore. Right. But like, I, I remember like pouring over different things and, and like, eventually they, some, some of them were like novelized, like Crit and Tantino scripts were always turned into these, these yeah. novels and stuff yeah, like I, that. I and got, I, I got a couple of them. Yeah. Right. And they would cost like, it was exorbitant amount of money, like $20 a piece. And you'd like buy them outright and like, cause you didn't care. You just wanted like that kind of stuff. Like buying those books and stuff like that because it mattered these weren't like coffee table books these were like actually in like your wheelhouse type of thing searching for like out of print like i had an out of print version of like steven soderbergh's diary um you know of uh a sex lies and videotape that also had the script in it like that's <laughs> yeah and they reprinted that when the criterion to the sex lies blu-ray it's the diaries in there now for those listening who want to find, oh, want to is find it? it yeah I, I don't know if it's the whole thing but part, uh, it's a pretty thick little book yeah that uh that has i think most of it in there yeah i remember i bought the punch drunk love script and the cooler thing about that one the bound one like the one you mm-hmm. bought in like chapters or indigo uh had it was the production one so it's all different colored pages and they had the right different colors so i as a film there that was even next level for me yeah but even like i remember like even when the internet first came out i remember the first time i discovered imdb and i was like what the fuck is this and just being able to go from one to another to another and it's, it's all just database pages man i spent days just going learning so much about the the, the connectivity of all these different people and one right. thing leading and to another and leading and to like, another yeah. and just going where is the, like this is amazing what a thing I have now. People now, they're just like, oh, it's IMDb. Yeah, it's like... It's, oh, I remember uh, like when I... I remember being like uh, super spoke, super stoked when I got my first job and they ended up crediting me um, on IMDb. And my first IMDb credit is like behind the scenes for HBO's first look uh, as a camera operator because I shot the behind the scenes for a head of state. And that's my first IMDb credit. And I remember being like, I have arrived... <laughs> Oh, Sam, that, that first IMDb credit was just like, was the hugest like film nerd cred where he's like, oh my God, I, I, I exist now. Right, exactly. I am, I am, I am Googleable. I am now findable by like other film nerds like yeah. me that can like find my stuff. The way um, now it is where I think it's like now it's like if you get verified on certain social media, <laughs> people have that little thing, like anything that just like that, that. Anything that's in pop culture, there's like people up there because they wrote a book, like, like there's certain books that are popular and just like this person wrote that. They have no film credits, but their book is this. So they're on there, like that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, all right. But yeah, but yeah. Oh, nerdiness. Well, let's. Uh, without further ado, though, let's dive into this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, and I promise not. Here's the thing: no matter what, I will, I will appreciate. No matter what happens, whether I hate, like this movie or, or not, right. what I like about what I'm about to experience is a window into your childhood and your family. Please, okay, uh, take it. But for that, uh, uh, I think it'll be worth it because it's, it's just. It, that's what it is. It's definitely what it is. Yeah. So, I'm, like, my, so I'm, just, 
That war- warning, though, I might have got a lot of questions about your upbringing after I watched this. <laughs> Be like, this is why you have a little sister? What's wrong with your family? Like, <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so we just finished. First, I, I would like to say, before you say anything, <laughs> okay, like two, two addendums. Okay. First. My wife would like me to personally apologize to you. Um, <laughs> this is one of my the, one of the things that my wife and I do not have in common, and she just like I've tried to get her to watch it like the whole way through like several times because I love it, and like I thought it would be one of those things that like you know because we I've had that experience a few times. Like I showed my wife Fight Club. And my wife like absolutely adored it, like she hadn't seen it, and so we had that like, bonding experience over Fight Club. But we do not have that over this movie. And watching it again with me while I was sitting there, she was just like, "I want you literally to apologize to Jeremy for me. I want you to literally go down there and <laughs> apologize to him because no one should be objected to this." That so that's number one. Number two is you can't be so hard on this movie because I even I forgot the fact that Tom Petty is in this movie. Um, and Neil Young. Neil Young is also in this movie. Oh yeah, right, 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 right. He's a truck driver. <laughs> so you can't you can't hate a movie that sports both uh Tom Petty and Neil Young. You just can't. Uh but yeah it's I had I I did have some issues this time around because I'm much older now than when I last saw it. I, I, I have a few issues of my own. It's not the the luster. I think is 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 gone. From. Oh no! Uh, first of all, your wife is lovely. Yeah. Uh, I thank her for 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 that. I don't judge. Nobody needs to apologize for ever watch, anyone watching a movie. Uh, like I said, I learned a lot about your childhood through watching this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, More about yeah. your parents. More about your parents. Who uh, who conceived your sister around the time this movie was? was yeah, released. man. Like they, they saw. So walk me through that. They saw this in the theaters at some point, and then they yeah. they wanted you all to watch it because they loved it. Well, yeah, it's just one of those movies that, like, you know, there were certain things where my father would be like, "Sit down, shut up, watch this movie," um, you know. And this was one of those ones where you know they would, you know, you have to sort of, you have to sort of indoctrinate kids into that kind of stuff, you know, you. You make them watch the movies that you love. Like, you know, there are certain movies that, you know, we picked up on because of the time and place where it was like Princess Bride and Back to the Future. Like, those are the type of movies you're just going to pick up if you're born in, you know, uh, circa, you know, 82. But like, um, you know, one of these, this was their, you know, one of their couple movies that we just sort of picked up. It was like this movie and, uh, you know, like a range. Like I said, Godfather and Highlander uh, is also pro- I forgot is also on that list. That is a uh, weird tape. That is a weird <laughs> tape of your parents. I love it. So, what about this movie was like a family? Like, what did you guys love about this movie? I want to the know that. song, man. The song, like we all loved that song. Like we've never danced. It's like that's like when you start singing it in my house. People are going to start. The whole house would just you know like be one of those things. We've never like we all knew we all know it and like the romanticism of it i think just like was uh on display and i i just i still feel that i still feel like that's my favorite part of it is like just like naked 
romanticism. Yeah. Uh, the the special effects have not aged well. It's so eighties. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, there's that beat when he's in heaven for the first time. There's and there's like the really aged computers. And yeah. he's like, what what are these? <laughs> what, are these? what are these? And he's from what are you those? Know, and yeah. where, where is he? He's from the fifties, or what, when does the movie take place in the beginning? Well, like yeah, the he's got to be. It's got to be post World War II because he talks about. That's one of the things that I think because he talks about storming Omaha Beach, and like one of my new problems with this movie is I was like, wait a minute, this dude was at the invasion. He was on Omaha Beach, and he only knows one guy who died. He has one friend who's dead. He's got a bunch of friends who's dead. Only the one guy liked him. Nobody else liked him. Nobody else. That guy was a jerk, man. Like, that's why he survived. Like, he was just, you know. He was there for himself. Yeah. (laughs) They're not getting me, these German sons of bitches. Like, you know, like, just... Get away from him. Stay away from Shay. He's terrible. Um, but yeah, no, like that was that was weird to me because I was like, this guy stormed Omaha Beach and has one dead friend. Um, he went through the entire war. One guy in heaven that he wants to see. There's not like a bunch He's got of one guys, friend. Yeah, one that he friend. could be like, hey, did we win the war? Uh, did we win? Like we won, right? And the mailman. And the mailman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, James Tolkien, who uh, I just watched yeah, back to the I just watched Back to the Future Part Two with my da- my daughter last night because she's never seen it. Oh my god! So, See, uh, so that's what I'm uh, talking about. Like those, like you know, Back to the Future is one of the things that I did get with my kids, where I was I have indoctrinated them with that. Oh, my son's so, seen it a million and a half times. Yeah, my kids I'm, have all seen it a million times. Like, I'm looking for my pen. It. I lost my pen. I wanted to make a little note. Son of a biscuit. How did I lose my goddamn pen? I, I have not left the couch this entire time, and I've lost my pen. See, this is what I'm talking about, Jeremy. You got to keep them in your pocket. In for those, your pocket. For those who missed it, we had like a half hour conversation just about pens before the whole <laughs> point, before the conversation started. Because that's how nerdy Rob and I get. Right. We get. We break we're like it down. two. We're like eighty year old men. You and I. We're going to be in the same retirement home at some point, and just yeah, seriously, just. Talking about have you seen have you, have you seen the new pens that are coming out? These things they 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 write all over the place, man. And we're they, gonna be they, so happy about it. <laughs> you barely even have to pick up the pens. They're so good. You know what I'm saying? I I I, I pick the pen up. It writes for me. It just my brain just. I like that. Out of the pen. As you get older, you become Jewish. I like that. <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> Love these pens. Love them, Jeremy. They're my pocket. Where are they? How, how did I lose my pens, Rob? Yeah, they're see, and somewhere. Then, and then that's, I have the same thing. And then once you lose the pen, you can't focus on anything else but the pen. Like, where yeah, I'll, is find, I'll find it. Yeah. Um, there's so much to unpack in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much. Well, there's, you, you talked about, so this friend, he had one friend. One friend. And he still didn't find him, did he? Did he find no. him in heaven? No, no, because when he got to him. He oh, yeah, he'd already read that's how, they that's, int- that's how they introduce the idea of reincarnation. Right. right. And that's the other part that really sucks. Because you get up there, they take, send you to paradise, and then they're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, you got to go back to the shitstorm so you can, like, reappreciate this place, like, every few years. Like, they just... Or, or, or randomly. But that's just... <laughs> it's like... Because it's like, well, some people are here for thousands of years. Some people are here for an hour. And it's like... Right. So did that person appreciate it so much within that hour that they had to send him back right away? Yeah, he just hit the roller coaster part of heaven and just was like, "Hey, man, like that's that's what I wanted to do. I rode the world's biggest 
or the heaven's biggest roller coaster and just that I'm, that's it i'm sold I, I i did what i came to do and i'm going back yeah and then because even because you know aunt lydia aunt linda lisa aunt lisa, lisa. yeah uh like her did like this like does not become like a factor in the story later on at all like it's just like she's there nope, for a she blip just gets dropped and then her paintings come back and then they're like wait did they bring back lisa too and then you start wondering, well, did he where did her painting, people in his her path? Painting, where did her paintings come back? Her paintings came back when he, after he got drunk and drove his car, like after he got rejected the first time the song gets rejected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets drunk and he does a spin out on the road and almost dies. He's looking up and there's a glass uh, thing in the paint. One of her painting is, is in the, uh, uh, the display window. I miss that. Those paintings are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're not good i believe like, that she she acted like actress, knockoffs like all of them are really bad they're yeah like, I, I believe that actress actually did them they were not a product of the art department <laughs> they were like she's like all right i'll take it for a sag rate and my paint you have mm. to use my paintings and they're like okay well we really don't have a lot of money for this movie anyway that'll save us some cash fine oh yeah they, they did not have a budget for this movie which I appreciate on some level. Like there's there's the cheesiness to this movie that I'm like, yeah, I could, it's really I, cheesy. It's really cheesy. Wow, like there's no shortage of soft lighting and nope. smoke. They they had a smoke budget. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a part where like the director gets like I mean the director character of the guy who plays um oh man because he he played oh, uh, Tim Daly Tim Daly yeah Tim Daly uh, who's in this movie. He gets really all uppity about video and like starts like I'm he won't shoot gonna, food on video. I'm not has, no, has no depth. <laughs> it's really uppity, and I'm like, oh god. Well, the director god. of this film loves dissolves too. Soft lighting yeah. and dissolves. Tim, okay. What wow. I loved about Tim Daly's character is he got to play such a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Like when you first meet him. He's all he wants. He, he's going to be. First of all, he doesn't say, "I want to be a filmmaker." I'm. I'm, I'm going to be a filmmaker. And then, in, and then in the next breath, is like, "Hey, do you like French New Wave?" <laughs> like I'm like, "Oh, you're a douchebag from way back." And then the next time we see him, he's winning a Clio for a deodorant commercial. Yeah, fresh something and ta- deodorant and taking like- it so seriously. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we see him, he just did something really innovative with dog food. Yeah, and she's well. She she's like asking him if he's like, "Are you working on your film?" And he's like, "No, no, no. I'm work did some really innovative dog food commercial stuff." And then and it seems like, to be doing some kind of political. Uh, and then is doing, but and then is mad at her, and it's like it's almost like he divorced her because she was so good at like just doing what she wanted to do, right? Well, so, that's the, that's the other thing. Then they're saying like he's clearly, if you're thinking about it, term in the in the sort of the context of the way that souls play out. If he's back on Earth, that means he was up there, and he's from here. They're saying that being from here breaks your spirit because she didn't know that you can live that you couldn't live in life without limitations. His whole thing is, you come from heaven, you. You see a goal and you just go to it. You don't know a life that isn't limited by things. You just find. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And there, and you know what's funny? I mean, 
there's a great movie inside of here in terms of like the ideas. Right. And it's like, and you look at a movie that, you know, like they just came out recently, like, like something like soul, right. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, you know, knows what the fuck it's doing with these ideas. Right. Right. It really plays them. Like something like that is a great idea that I think is just really kind of like, I mean, you can, you can make a whole movie about that idea. Yeah. Uh, and also like this idea of new, like, I love the idea of new souls the idea of like, she was made in heaven, literally. Uh, and I just love that concept it was so beautiful. Um, uh, and I just thought like, man, there's so much more you could do with that concept that just feels so underwhelming. I mean, the movie, I mean, let's back it up first of all. Okay. So, uh, man, that opening, that black and white opening, it's so like, it's, I was like, for the first 10 minutes of this movie, I'm like, what the fuck is the tone of this movie? What is the tone of this movie? What what I, there, it's like nothing I've ever seen before, right. which is always exciting. But I'm also like, just give me something to grasp onto tone wise, because you get all that, and it's not quite like oh, the movie really doesn't start until he gets to heaven. Like, and even then, it's like that first scene when he first gets there, it is rough acting wise. When he's just like, I'm, I'm dead, not, I'm dead. I, it's, it's so I'm like, oh, Timothy Hutton, you're not pull it back, pull it back. <laughs> It's like you you shot this on day one. You must have shot this on day one before you established any kind of a character. Yeah. Well, no. Like it's like there's a there's an old like Louis C.K. joke, and I know like he's like you know cancel banned, but like there's a Louis C.K. joke about that where like uh, about how they like what it must have been like being on the set of The Wizard of Oz and like dealing like the director who's dealing with the guy who's playing the scarecrow, and he's like, all right, so all right, we're at back to one and action and the scarecrow goes well first they threw me over here and then they threw me over there and they're like uh cut cut um can you like pull that back like i really like i know this is like the 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 heightened part but i need you to like you're at a 10 and i need you to pull it back to like a six like can you do that and then they're like okay back to one and action well, first they threw me over here, <laughs> and then they threw me over there, and you're just like, okay, so this it's gonna be like that the whole shoot. Okay, all right, that's uh, that's fine. That's all right. <laughs> you, you you only have a ten in you. Okay, I can work with that. <laughs> but but you but here's the thing that shit works in Wizard of Oz. Right, right. Because it's you the know? Wizard of Oz. It's supposed it's like heightened. You're like you know the lollipop guild and you know that kind of shit. But like you know in this movie, he's like I'm dead, and you're like oh right. But the thing, by the time you get to like the scarecrow doing that, I've never heard that Louis C.K. joke by the way, so I appreciated yeah. that. Um, uh, but by the time you get there, you've met the lollipop guild. Lollipop, lollipop guild. I'm doing I'm doing a remake. <laughs> The Wizard of Oz, my version is the Lollycock Guild. The Lollycock Guild. Yeah, it's a spinoff. We represent uh, the Lollycock Guild. Oh, you know what? You know, that's, a completely that's a completely different movie. You're, you're dealing with different kind of actors on that one, bro. Rob, uh, I'm not them. I'm, no, I'm going to use the same cast. The same. It's going to be very niche, but the people yeah. that like it, they're going to love it. Yeah, if you're fans of Gaspar Knows Love, um, <laughs> <laughs> you like come sh- come shots directly into the lens. <laughs> you're gonna love Jeremy Lalonde's Wizard of Oz. 
The, oh, it, it's got to be the jizz of Oz, right? That's yeah, got to oh be our God. That exists. That's got to exist out there. Right? Oh my God! The Jizzard of Oz. The Jizzard of something like that. Yeah, I'm looking it up. It's got to exist. Um, <laughs> Rule thirty-four. Is it? Is it? Did it exist? Or did I invent a new point in that hasn't been done yet? Oh my God! It hasn't been done yet, guys. Everyone, break! I'm stopping. I gotta go, Rob. I got something to do. <laughs> the Jizzard of Oz. Good um, luck, my friend. I wish yeah. you luck on your journey. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, fuck, it's like there's, yeah, so anyway, but yeah, by the time you get to that moment with the scarecrow, like the tone is set and he's in that world. Right. So even, even if they started with him, and that's kind of like the, and you know this, the job of the director is. And like they've the, done the whole, like, not just the lollipop game, but you've also had like the whole thing with the witch, like, you know, on the, in the hurricane, like the woman on the hurricane. And you're yeah. not quite sure whether or not, like, this is just. <laughs> yeah. Like this is Dorothy's fever dream because everything's in super technicolor. You know what I mean? It's not just color; it's super technicolor. Like, yeah. But even in black, in Oz, things are like big, right? Like, yeah. It's you know they're playing that you know that tone is set from the get go, and you buy into it, and it's totally fine. Right. Where it's just like here, it's just like he's over here. It's like, and you know this, John. Like, like the first two for me, it's like the first couple of days on on set is like figuring out what the fuck the tone is of this movie because right. I kind of got it in my head. But then it's getting everyone else, you know, actor-wise in particular, on the same page. Not and just the movie, but the crew as well. Like, like everyone. The, yeah. Like that's the first couple of days is is figuring out and establishing and figuring out the tone. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've had those moments with certain actors where you're like, yeah, can you make it? You know, bring it down, like whatever it is. And you're like, oh, you don't have that ability to that. Right. Well, <laughs> fuck. Okay. okay, I need other words. Uh, I, need, okay. I, need, I need a book of verbs that I did not bring today. Right. Uh, I'm gonna have to make pull some shit out of my my ass. I gotta um, make this person real sad, or or hit them with a stick, or something like that to get them to like pull it, just pull it back. But there's tricks to that too. But it's just, but you're right. But with this one in particular, it's just that the scene was. And there's these all these other, these other things that are going on in that opening, like, um, like even that quick little moment where they go to the school. And it's like, and he and she cuts him off, and he's like, "So these are dead kids," and then and they don't they, they don't follow up. They just like cut right past it. <laughs> so all of those kids are, and then it's like, yeah, it's just these weird off jokes that just like. It's like, so do they ever age? Are they dead forever? I have so many more questions about yeah. the dead. He's like, now we're not going to get into that at all. We're just going to bring up that idea because it's really interesting, yeah. and then Adventure fucking move. Bye. Yeah, yeah, and it. then move right past it. There's so many moments like that where he's like, I want so many more, so much more information on this world. And yeah, the mythology of it is definitely muddled. Like they just did not think it all the way through, um, which came is up odd came- because there's there the the story the script is written by like a team, not just two people, but they are a script writing team. They also wrote Cuffs, which is another one of my favorite '80s movies. Um, but yeah, so yeah. and then but it's also it's like, am I wrong in that like in all of the like these. As he's like the old fashioned dude, not the Elmo. Also, the fact that his name is Elmo is amazing. Yeah. That. Uh, <laughs> but um, it seems like the whole time he's wearing his dad's clothes. Like they're one, they're at least one size too big for him. Yeah. Those shirts are just like so puffy and so huge on him. I love that. Um, and at the end, there's that leather jacket where he's like, oh, you ruined it with those fringes why you had a perfectly good leather jacket and you just ruined it with cowboy fringes like, oh when he first shows up when he when he, when you first see him as like 
as young Elmo? No, no. Like at the end where he's like rich and got money and he has that really nice leather jacket, but he's ruined it with these dark like cowboy. Well, he has those when we first see him coming back from heaven. Does he? Yeah. Because I thought the same thing. I was like, oof, 80s. Those were those were cool at some point. I remember my cousins having jackets like that and even even then, like not knowing what cultural appropriation was, yeah, going that doesn't look good on you. There's... No. So, let's talk about their relationship for a bit. Okay. Um, Kelly McGillis and Timothy Hutton's relationship, and Kelly McGillis. Watch, I was surprised to find that she did this after Top Gun. Like this was post Top Gun. Huh. Yeah, because here's the thing with her character. I mean, I love the moment because it's like. It was one of those, and I mean, this is kind of a trope of the 80s too, right? And even movies far earlier than this. But just the idea of like, oh, you want me to buy into the fact that these two are like in love instantly. Right, right. Don't give me any moments. The lightning strike, they hit and they see each other, bam, it's done. Like that sort of, yeah. And if if I don't buy into that right the fuck away, I'm going to have some problems. Right. Uh, Like the fact that he, here's the thing, when he grabs her and kisses her, yeah, and she's super says, early. Did and I, she's like, yeah. did I get, tell you to do that? Yeah, like, I I noticed that too. Ooh, I was like, like could, damn. I'm like, that's some 2012 shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> or 2018. Like, good yeah. for you. Good for you. Good for you for advocating for yourself. But then clearly, like, it's just a playful gag where it's like, right. I don't, I'm a woman. I really don't get that say. Yeah, I don't have actual agency. In the- <laughs> yeah, but for a moment, I was like, God damn. That's yeah, pre- that almost, that's- almost woke. I was like, oh shit. She, damn, I didn't, I forgot about that moment. Damn. Yeah. Damn. But yeah. And so I was really proud of that because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, damn, like you guys, like she didn't say she liked you. you what, you're, you're making a big swing here, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I appreciated that moment, but then they seemed to backtrack on it real quick. Um, but yeah, then it was a, the character thing because then he asked it back to her and you're just like, well, that's not as cool. That's all right. You no, then now you're making a cute asshole. Yeah. She, she had a legitimate point and you just kind of like fucking undercut it, you piece of shit. <laughs> what um, a dick move. Dick move, Timothy Hutton's Albie or whatever the fuck. You're dead. But so, but so here's the thing. It's a weird, so her character is this weird character because I get like this concept that it's like she's like a new soul. And I love that idea. And so, but like how they kind of decide they portray that in this world is that almost like her, she doesn't have a character. Mm-hmm. Like she's just kind of like a blank slate. And so things just happen to her. They don't actually, they don't like, she doesn't actually motivate any character choices or anything like that. They just, things just happen to her. And because they're sad things, they are like interpreting that as character, which is not the same <laughs> Thing. No, but it's just like she's just kind of flat and, and she just lets things happen to her and she goes along with it. Yeah, so we're in love now? Okay, sure. I'm a guide. I just flew up and played. Like, her character's also like, oh, so you're a guide, but also you're a new soul who's just waiting to go to heaven. It's like, you're multiple things here. This is very right. complicated. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. Because uh, why would they make the new souls the guides if they're trying to prep them to go to Earth? I have so many questions. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> I would like... I. Yeah, is there a course that you have to take to be a guide? Is there like a two week course? And she's or you just, just like, be there? You just be there for a long time, right? There's just, I mean, for me, like as as a person who loves like like and and, and is in awe of people who build worlds really really well, right? Um, like there, I look at this and I'm like, 
And this is one of those movies where I'm like, oof, you could do a good remake of this movie. Like this right. movie has some really good ideas in it, but it's not quite firing on all cylinders. Well, like the thing of... But like, you could do a remake of this. I wonder who has the rights to this. It's never come out on DVD. Nobody gives a fuck about this movie. This movie is sitting... This is on a vault in some studio's thing. Mm-hmm. I could walk in there and they'd be like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like uh, one of the things that, like, that sort of hit me is, is we're talking about world building and something from that era. But like... It's like that that thing of uh, if you like this movie, you'll also like. And then one of the movies that came up was Defending Your Life, which is great world building. Defending Your Life is fantastic. It's fantastic. I, I have done that on an episode of this podcast. Yeah, I know. I've listened to it. <laughs> like, um, but Defending Your Life is an amazing film. But like, you know, same sort of air. But someone clearly took the time to like, <laughs> yeah. think out the world and what this means and what that means. And you have characters that have agency, like Meryl Streep's character is amazing versus Kelly McGillis's character is just a flat, like you said, flat. Like there, you if you were, which one would you rather hang out with? You definitely want to hang out with Meryl Streep's character from Defending Your Life. She's absolutely amazing. The two of them are just, and there's real stakes and choices and like, you know, this this journey of of uh, Brooks's character, the like getting out of his own way. Um, through that entire film, like that's a real journey. But in this one, you just, even though I love the romanticism, the naked romanticism of, uh, you know, Timothy Hutton's character choosing to do this after meeting some girl in heaven for five minutes and then deciding to go back to earth. Um, and you really have to buy into like the, t- yeah. like, the two of them were soulmates. But, but you know what? There's a way to do it. Like you look at that, you know, that, that opening, you know, seven, 10 minutes of a movie like Up, or, or however long that sequence yes. is. And there's a way to do it. You know, it's not impossible to do something that tight. You just have to pick the right moments and, and make these people real people and right. give her a real character. You know what I mean? Up has but, you crying in the first five minutes. Like, you're, if you're not crying in the first five minutes of Up, you're dead. You're not, you, don't, you, you have no soul. It's <laughs> like they hit that point where you're just like, oh, they can't. Oh, no. Oh God, that's so horrible! And like Pixar literally has you on the floor. Like they the, literally the opening of that sequence is so good it eclipses the entire movie. Like the movie never gets better than that opening. I don't know the part with the like once you get the old man, the kid, and the dog. Like it's like I love it's, it. it's solid and it's fun, but it's like that opening is so fucking good. It's hard to like get better after that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's. uh it's not a bad movie. The rest, I mean, the rest of it's not a bad movie by any means, but it's, no. it's just so good and emotional that it's almost impossible to top the opening, you know? And they, they do their best. They go for it. But that opening I've, is just screenwriting 101 for, like, how you get people to care about characters. Yeah, to jump on board, like, immediately. And immediately. And so it's like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, if you, if you took something like that and applied it to this, I am on the fuck board. Right. Like, can you imagine I, if you took that opening from Up? And then they went back to try to find each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a similar sort of like, not gripe, but a sort of like thing. But like uh, in terms of like the humor, there's a, there's a humor point in um, Inside Out where she's having that dream sequence. And there's the giant clown that says, who's the birthday girl? <laughs> So and, good. Like, it's so good. But the laugh is so big. Like, I don't know if you saw that in the theater, but I did. Yeah. And the laugh was so big, it never got that big again. 
it's almost too big in terms of laughter. Like everybody dies in that moment. The whole theater just explodes with laughter and it never gets that big ever again. I don't know that you necessarily have to, but it's too big. The la- that one laugh is too big for the rest of the movie. It's so and it good. almost feels like you're left in the, like the, the, uh, cause you're expecting that level of humor for the rest of the movie. Cause it's right in the middle or right at yeah. the end of the second act. And it's just, it's so weird. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I got so lucky. I got to see that movie uh, a week ahead of its advance uh, release mm. because I took Josh Cooley, the co-director of it or co-writer. I think he might've been a co-director on it, but he was one of the writers anyway. He did, um, like a Pixar weekend story session in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they did it through OCAD, the uh, Ontario Academy of Art and Design. Uh, and so it was this like two day intensive course, like story world course with him, which was like wow. amazing. So part of the course was like the morning we got to watch Inside Out early and then do a Q&A with him. And then it was like after lunch, we did the session and we came back the next day and did more. But so watching it for the first time in that audience, it was an audience full of just like writers, filmmakers, and illustrators and animators. And holy fuck, when they go into that sequence, like where everything gets um, like the 2D and the 3D mix and match together, wow. the animators and illustrators lost their fucking shit. They were yeah. so tickled by that part. It was just like a joke that was just tailor-made just for, for them. them. Just for <laughs> them. And they were like, nobody's ever done a joke for us. You know? Yeah, it was so so but but yeah, but it's, but it's that kind of thing where it's just like if you can do that level of it, something like this works totally because the problem then is because I get it and I got the idea. And so that's why it's like I'm sitting there watching. Going, I totally get why. Like I, I remember watching, um, I'd say, episode three of this podcast series. We did we did a Princess Bride with somebody who would never seen it as a kid. And wow. their kind of reaction was, I think you really had to love that like see that film as a kid to appreciate it now as an adult, because your brain just kind of like fills in these emotional gaps that mm-hmm. are hard when you're coming to it fresh. I don't buy that. I'm like, this party is dead inside. Princess Bride is great. No matter what age you are. <laughs> that said, with all due love and respect to that friend. Right. It's still one of those things where like, I watch this and I go, I get how if like you watch this from a young age and you buy into that romantic idealism. Right. It just kind of sticks with you and you give it a pass that way because you can accept things as a kid in a way you don't necessarily as an adult, but if you carry the baggage of that film with you over multiple viewings, it just kind of sticks with you in a way that is kind of beyond you. Uh, and even though you can, you know, as a more educated filmmaker, watch it and go, eh, I don't know. Yeah. But, but it's, it's, it's tough because it's like, if you don't sit there and go, Oh yeah, I just want these two people to be together. Cause literally it's, it's so quick. They're back on earth. And the problem is, is that the most interesting part of this movie is when they're in heaven. Right. All of that stuff that's going on in this world and all this stuff they're just tapping the surface of. Because literally once they get back in the world, this is all the movie is. Right. Both of their lives. Oh, they almost see each other. No, they don't. More of their lives, sad-ass lives. They almost see each other. No, no, they don't. And then they just do that over and over and over again. And then they finally, they finally do see each other and smile and that's it. Movie's over. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's literally, that's it. And then they recognize each other and then they're like, instantly they're not. And you get over it. That's a big get over too. Cause then it's like, okay, now they've reassumed the lives that they were like, he's no longer elbow. He's Mike now. And she's no longer 
Allison, she's Annie again. And then they're just like, okay. And they've also de developed, they've redeveloped on earth their telepathic abilities <laughs> to be able to be inside each other's heads. Yeah. They've the made, voiceover is they made no choice on rules in this movie. No. But and, also just to, I mean, we'll get into, yeah, we'll get into this other part that I'm sure you want to talk about too in a second. But there's something interesting too, though, about that you could almost like if you just took like you know the Charlie Kaufman Michelle Gondry route from like Eternal Sunshine, yeah, and you and you got to play up the idea at the end that it's like actually this is not the first time they found each other again, right? You know, oh, I think I guess I guess that ruins, but I guess that ruins the idea of them being old souls, you know. I mean, there's also like a, a Cloud Atlas version of this movie where they actually go through several lifetimes before they find each other again. Wow. That's, that is interesting because when they, because if you think about it from a logistics standpoint, when you go back and you're a new, like you come up in your mic, then you go down in your Elmo. When you come back, you're Elmo again, you're still Elmo. So they, you wouldn't remember, like if they missed each other, and then went back to heaven, they wouldn't have the same thing back in heaven. You know what I mean? Like they would be, they would come, they've come back as completely different people and they've had different lives. So even if they got back to heaven, they wouldn't know each other. No, it's not Groundhog Day. It's not like it resets. Right. Like it continues on. So whatever baggage you picked up in that, in that world, you carry on with that you. lifetime. Yeah. And yeah. then the idea being that is, can you ever like cleanse yourself of that? Or do you, are you going to carry that with you into the next life? Like, oh, that's I, such a good premise. Cause they bring up, well, the, but, but you mentioned it when Timothy Dell mentioned that it's like, you know, her, the idea like she is able like she's so positive and believes in possibility because she hasn't been through a time where it's been so, Bad. So then, if you play the, this idea that it's like, especially if you like, you somehow in like the Pixar version of this world, you see this person who is like, oh, they're on their tenth life. It's like, oh yeah, they're an angry person. <laughs> like they've been through so much. Like they lived through the depression. You know, right? They were. They, they were like so many different things. They yeah, they were three wars, like yeah. that sort of. They were every race but white, and it shows <laughs> through history. You know. Uh, it's just never been. Yeah, that's the other part because he asks he asks Emmett, uh, which is probably the next thing you want to talk about. Oh, we're going to talk about Emmett. Yeah, and he's like he asks Emmett, "Is she a girl?" And you're oh, like, and then Wait, you could go back as like somebody like a different like uh, like gender, like whoa, like okay, you keep throwing these new rules out here, but then you don't play off on any. But then that's the other thing that really drove me crazy because. Then you see other people, like the other dude that he meets up at the school and heaven comes down and is, at the end, he comes back, he's the guy with the label. And he's like, oh, what's the name of your label? Halo. And like, I'm like- It's so Emmett, cute. It's so is, cute, but it's doesn't- It's cute. But then I was like, is Emmett just throwing things in his path? Like throwing people like, like lawn darts in order to make sure that these people meet? Or it's like, and then because they, they all coming down like- did, the, did that guy's time in heaven get cut short? Because he said he'd been there for like eight years. Like, you know, did that guy's time in heaven get cut short in order to help Mike find this one chick? And then the other part was like, he goes to his house. And this was probably the biggest thing. He goes to his house and his parents aren't there. And it's a weird, sad moment in heaven. I don't know why we're having sad moments in heaven, but we're having sad moments in heaven. And he's like upset because his parents aren't there. And then for me, I'm like, the guy said that there's no time. 
So why isn't everybody just there? Like his parents and everybody, like they could have died at different times. If you can control all the space and time, like she definitely leaves before him, yet Emmett is able to lightning bolt him back down to an earth, like right around basically the same time. So space and time mean nothing to them. Um, so why aren't his parents there? Why is it just Aunt Lisa? Because they're still alive on, yeah, well, they don't, again, they have not made decisions right. on the rules of this movie. <laughs> You know, because that's just it. And there's also, it's like, why the fuck does Emmett care about this couple so much that he's throwing these lawn darts if he is, right? Right. You know, if you played up this idea, uh, I had this idea years ago for like a a movie about Cupid. Cupid's like kid. And the idea that Cupid's got to go back and just like, they're they're giving up on the idea of love on earth. And Cupid's kid's got like one last shot, like literally one last shot at it. Eh, The arrow, get it? One last shot? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's not great. But um, (laughs) They're not all winners. They're not all. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. Um, But there's there's a thing here where it's like, if you set up some idea like that, like the idea of soulmates, and the idea that it's like, eh, you know what? We're just going to give up on this idea. But then Emmett's like, he ha- he realizes after he sends them back that it's like, oh, if these two don't work out, we're not recycling souls anymore. We're just going to keep everyone here. Well, like if you if you set it up, you don't have to set it up from Emmett's perspective. Like he's watched them. Like if they like, like it's a wonderful like, life. Right. Yeah. Like one of those things where like he's watched them try to reconnect over for like the last you know few lifetimes, like several different lifetimes. Like they met up there. They fell in love. And he's just like, this is hurting them. And they, he can see through like the incarnations of every time they go back, they go back worse because the splinter of what was them is unforgettable. Like they can't and they destroy like different relationships in different ways. Like each one, each the, the, the lack of missing these two people who are soulmates is dis- like manifests itself in their various dysfunctions he chooses one way and she chooses another way. And through these lifetimes they go through and they're basically okay, but they can't make anything stick and they always die alone. And so like any, when they come back, he can't help them. He's not allowed to do like, he's not allowed to just put them together and he just keeps sending them back, hoping they'll meet up. But like, you know, cause he, that's what he agreed to do one time and he keeps sending them back. And then he's finally, he's like, I just, I can't do it anymore. This is the last time. Like I can't. This is too much. I've decided you and I are getting the rights to this fucking movie. And we're going to, I'm not kidding. I think you and I could write a really good version of this. Yes. Um, And they just, you know, and then you have like this weird thing. Cause then you could say like the near misses I like, but only if it's like through different lifetimes, like maybe they like met up and they were like friends in one thing, but like something else happened and like, they couldn't keep it together. Like they almost got it together. Like, but they, they, something happened and he died or he went off the war, like that sort of thing. You can keep different elements from the first movie, but like turn them in a different way. But like you said, you kind of, well, you'd have to, you'd have to set up, it'd have to be like their flaws, the flaws that you establish at the beginning of the movie that these right. characters have are the things that keep them from finding each other again. Right. And until they fix those flaws, they can't. They can't be together. They can't be individual people who are coming together. Like This, that, movie, is to, not, this movie is not that sophisticated. They just need him to be a successful musician. 
is what and he needs she to needed do. Her dad to die, like, and and agree that it was okay for her to like take over the company. Like, they just had to get good at their jobs to be together. It it's, seems it's the eighties, man. Because she comes out, she's a straight up yuppie, and like she's so she's so eighties <laughs> yuppie, like with the pantsuit and the in the in the contoured makeup and the just ah. Uh, uh, she's so yeah this movie this movie uh did not make a lot of uh well it's just like this movie is not trying that hard for character development and and just these things where it's just like where i look at and go oh there's so much there's so much opportunity here and even the scene with lucille like that that's just a weird comedic beat that comes like it's not it's is it comedic is it dramatic like she like you would think she comes out she's playing like this femme fatale character right but then she struggles to take off her mask like she gets it caught on her cigarette and you're like what like that's a what why is that comedy beat there that's so odd like you're trying to define this character so you're saying but then she's dangerous she's not dangerous she okay she pulled out a gun so she is dangerous then she's kicking him out of the car. She's cackling like Catherine Hahn in WandaVision. She's just uh, like, <laughs> she's just, you know, doing, uh, okay, all right, okay. This is a r- random beat in this. I don't understand it. I don't. It, they didn't make a lot of tone choices in this movie. Oh, Tom, Tom Petty's in it. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And Ellen, Ellen Barkin shows up for a, be- a beat when he's a gangster for a few minutes. Yeah. He goes from being a soldier to a gangster really quickly. I just want to say, like, he's this preppy as fuck soldier who is throwing shade to Timothy Daly. And then, like, five minutes later in the movie, he's holding someone up at gunpoint. Yeah. Same, I, and, and, and it's not like, and here's the thing it works in this other version you and I are talking about where we get to see him in different lives. Yeah, different lives. Yeah. But, like, it's Elmo it's, in both versions. I, and he has a purple heart. Yeah, he he joined the military, and he both times he was a he he, he served, um, and so they they say you know, but they don't say anything about the war either time. He has no traumatic memories of either war. He's in two of the biggest wars of the twentieth century, and he has no ill feelings about either one. Um, it just. You know, it just gets he just gets messed up between these beasts. We're just supposed to say, well, he got messed up. But there's something interesting about that too. It's like like if you say say if you you watch someone over like ten lifetimes, right? And so you got to track that. It, and the idea is like if you play the idea like this guy at his heart is a soldier. Yeah. And so what what does a soldier look like through these ten different time periods? You know, yeah. is, is is the new soldier in the 70s actually the guy who fights against going to Vietnam? Is that what it means to be a soldier in the 70s? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, yeah. What does it mean to be that trope throughout these different times? Yeah. If What kind of warrior is he? Like that sort of thing. Like where what is his battlefield? Where is his battle or what is what is his moral code dictate where I, his I, battlefield is? Ah, he found Guys, me. I found my pen. I was sitting on it. <laughs> Whew, you can all sleep now. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's that's the interesting way to do this as opposed to just like, oh, no, he went to another war. See, same guy. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Connection. Because, like, yeah, because you could say like that same guy who stormed Omaha Beach like is now at the, you know, the Democratic Convention in 68, you know, like, you know, 
uh, at war versus the cops, where the cops are like trying to protect protesters, you know, as the cops sort of swarm with the National Guard, like that sort of thing. Like that's his, you know, that was his war. Like that was his time, like that sort of thing. You can completely switch that up, Um, you know, and then it comes to be like, uh, becomes back and then he becomes a soldier in the war because everybody's feeling so uh, patriotic at 9-11 and like what goes to Afghanistan and like all those different, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he's on different sides every time he comes through. You just, depending on what it is, but he's a, clearly got a warrior's heart, like that sort yeah. of thing. Here's the thing. I like that our ideas are so much better and different that you don't even need to get the rights to remake this movie. It's like nobody can sue us over like, we're, we're already 10 <laughs> steps ahead of this movie. We're fine. You know, the idea of us like like you could take inspiration from anything it doesn't matter like but the, yeah. there, there's no way that they can say this was us no one's coming after <laughs> us even if they listen to this podcast they're like it was clearly inspired by this movie it's like yeah but they've made it good <laughs> <laughs> the judge uh, is like i've seen your movie the i'm throwing out your case <laughs> yeah also case i understand yeah. why i understand why it's not on blu-ray <laughs> yeah um okay we have to talk about emmett emmett and Deborah Winger in uh, in Weird Drag. <laughs> you just blew so deep and hard your breath. Uh, okay. It, it took me a minute. First of all, I thought it was like, is that Nancy Cartwright from The Simpsons? <laughs> and I was like, no. no it's... Because I, and then I remember her from uh, Forget Paris. That's her big claim to fame. That's her big claim. Yeah, yeah. But then I remembered you. Um, you oh, Forget Paris. The crystal. Um, yeah. But then you you mentioned Deborah Winger. I remember you meant me that Deborah Winger. I was like, oh, fuck, that is Deborah Winger. Because I'm like, that's not a dude. There's no way that that's so clearly that. What a weird fuck. First of all, what an interesting choice. Because also she goes out of her way to not credit herself in the movie. She plays right. the character as himself. As, as, as if, himself. Because we're supposed to buy that this is what, a documentary all of a sudden? Yeah, at the end of the... Everyone else is the actor. That thing. Yeah, yeah. Like a, em- Emmett is a real character from heaven that transcends and so is able to be filmed on Earth. Like, Emmett, why the fuck does Emmett appear on Earth? Why is here's Emmett... A, here's a, here's a, another moment where the movie is almost woke because here's a question that I have for you. Is Emmett trans? Oh, there's no way the movie's that. Here's the thing. That's the thing, though. I want to believe that it is. But then you had that moment with Timothy Dalton just so clearly. It's like, well, if she's a woman, in the, I, I need to be a man, clearly. There's no way I'm going to be. Well, no, that's not. If you're a cishet, like, you, you can't be against. You can just say, if she's, is she a woman? Like, okay. Like, if, like of course, when he's saying, is she a woman? He's saying, is she a cishet normative woman? Uh, put me down there as a cishet normative man. You know, like that sort of thing. And we can sort of put it on there. And that was interesting. that The fact that he even brought up the question now, I don't want to say begs the question, but it is it, like, is Emmett trans? Is Does God have a trans person running things in heaven? And I kind of love that idea. In our version, they're, they're <laughs> going to. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. 100%. But also, there's also a version of this that is not a film, but a TV series. And oh. every and every episode is their different lives and different oh. and different actors. Oh, you just went, took this idea from uh, you just took this idea to eleven. You just <laughs> this one goes to eleven. Now it's now we got us a ball game. 
holy crap. Yeah, you're right. Because it, it would totally work much better as a television show, especially an hour-long TV show. And different actors every yeah. time playing playing the characters. Oh. And like, sometimes uh, and sometimes sometimes, you know, you know, uh the well, because say character A and character B. And sometimes right. character A is a man, sometimes it's a woman. Right. And, so, and so it's like, how do they find each other in each iteration? And also you get to play this game when you're watching as the audience going, which character is that? Oh, character? what are they now? What are they? What's it? Oh, yes. Yes. It's almost but like then, a mystery. Course, right. But then, of course, that what the only thing that links each of the lives is how they are seen through Emmett's eyes. Yeah. So you have one person who is like the mainstay right. character and everyone else is a new cast. The yeah. entire time. Yeah, because that's the other weird thing. And it worked up until the point where you sort of you sort of suspend disbelief that he doesn't look the same as Timothy Hutton until you meet his parents. And then they're like, no, you look exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Which is- that's the other problem is like is that they keep on coming back, it's just the same people. And I get you see that, like you see these old photographs of people that look exactly the same. That, and we, you know, we we've all seen that kind of shit. But then it means that genetics mean nothing, man, because it's like, you know what I mean? Like that's like his it. his mom, I, his Elmo's mom looks nothing like Mike's mom. Again, we're not into a world of rules here. <laughs> uh, again, our version, had... our version of this is going to be far superior yeah. because we're because they're going to be different races. They're going to be different genders. They're going to be different sexualities. You know, they're going to be yeah. from different fucking countries. Yeah, there's also yeah. that idea. It's like sometimes international, like they and, didn't land in the same country. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, they're not necessarily Americans. Oh, you know? that's so good. One time, one comes back as a bird. I'm just saying, our possibilities are open. <laughs> I don't know if you should species hop. I don't know if you should go that far, unless oh. they both species hop, where like you know, one's a cat, one's a dog, like that sort of thing. But like, I definitely could see like we're doing a bottle episode like that, my friend. We just decided, hundred <laughs> percent, cat, dog. No, but it's just I I totally dig it, and um, I like the idea. I'm 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 putting I'm putting it out there as canon. Deborah Winger is a trans character. Emmett is trans, and it's not like her in drag. It's just it is a trans character. God has a trans person. I like it running heaven, and that is the most amazing thing I can think of. It's just like nope. That's you know what things gender's fluid here. We don't give who a is who is super invested in this relationship mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. at one point Emmett mentioned that they were in love and it didn't work out. Yeah, like like uh, Emmett has this one um, like big speech where it's like I had a well, I met a woman once and then you're like okay that's interesting and then we had kids and you're like okay now I have more questions. you're like uh, okay uh trans character had kids i guess you can do that in heaven okay cool 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 i'm on board all right so uh you had kids and then what and then you lost that okay you okay there's less detail here but uh, okay and now now you're super invested in these two but i think if you it's more like the repetition like the, the fact of the matter is like they were there before and like they, you know, one person, they did it one time and then set them on this path. Like 
they were in love in heaven. And we can keep flashing back to that to sort of like where yeah. like they, where they ended up. Um, and then we like when we finally get them, when they finally meet up or whatever like that, like, I, I don't know, is this a limited series or is this like a, like a season law, like seasons law? I think it's a limited series. Yeah. So like you can bring those main actors back, like the heaven actors back for the final regeneration or something like that. Yeah, like, or you uh, can keep on cutting back. They could be like you keep on getting to see moments of their relationship in heaven to play and play off of. Right. To kind of like juxtapose what's going on on Earth, because you can also play with like the idea of them being different ages and different stories. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, like sometimes they just they well, like one person doesn't make it past sixteen. One time, some part like you know uh or like you get like one time you meet one of them on the day they're born and one of them on the day they die and they're both yeah. in the same hospital oh oh yeah. oh that's interesting like you know like uh like she gets born oh no like he he's born the day she dies and she's like the first person to hold the baby and like you know, like the mom and stuff like that, and she's like, "Can I hold your baby?" Like she's there, like the delivery, and like, oh. and like she looks at him, and she can see the thing, and then it's just like beep, and you're like, "Son of a bitch!" Also, don't drop the baby. Who <laughs> gave the person flatlining a baby? Well, no, she gives the baby back. Like she gives the baby uh. back, and she's just like, you know, like the mom's like, and she says rosebud, and then she dies. <laughs> No, she gets. She's like, you should name him Mike. Well, that's just it. If, if if no matter what, even if like they don't like, like each each time they see like they have their one moment in each episode, they have a profound impact on each other's lives in yeah. a different way. Yeah, something they do or something that like. Oh, that'd be cool. And then yeah. what you could what you could do is in, in that particular episode, nobody. By the way. All this shit we're talking about right now, people are listening, is copyrighted. Rob and I are brainstorming. You got to listen to it, but these are our fucking ideas. We will sue the fuck out of you if you take any of them. Be like um, six months later, you're like, son of a bitch. Uh, but what you get to do then is then the next episode, you get to you get to watch that baby grow up. Yeah. And carry over into the next episode. So, and every now and then you can do that, right? Maybe you get a couple episodes with the same character. Yeah. Right. Where you get like as they go through different things and and like how they interact with each other, but I do like, the really like the idea of like something that they do or something that they uh, something how they interact has a major impact on them every single lifetime. I really like that idea. I'm gonna do it. All right, even like from across worlds, like something like you know, like the like he writes a song or something like that. Like like you could like go through the whole thing, something like that, or like that goes through the entire time. It's like timeless, like one of those songs that just like lasts forever. Uh, like you know, because there are certain songs that just seem to have been around forever. Um, oh, can you imagine? Oh, that's something beautiful too. It's like if, oh god, I mean now you're getting into. If like they end up together again at the end, mm-hmm. and their wedding song is a song that one of them wrote in like a past life, yeah, like something like that, yeah, yeah, cool. There's so many ideas. All right, but yeah, like I definitely Deborah Winger and the or Emmett as himself, um, totally trans. Like it's not. It, I mean, for eighties it would have been drag, but like, it's, yeah. It's one of those things that's like almost woke. Like this movie has smoke. So you're like, well, how how 
to how 2020 uh how like late aughts with of youth uh movie done in 1987 how that's how progressive yeah they they accidented themselves away into that but let's take let's assume everything else this movie is super progressive (laughs) in that moment and then the moment where she's like you don't gotta kiss me without asking right 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 um consent motherfucker you don't just get to put your hands on it. like because that's the other thing because that that because I'm, I'm a new spirit i am a, i'm like a version of all virgins <laughs> well there's that because there's that other moment where he almost puts his hands on her shoulder and like he doesn't like because he's nervous but she doesn't like give him she doesn't like take his hand or anything she just like makes him sweat and then, like you know, like they keep walking. Next time they're like on the the beach, like side by <laughs> or the the lakeside, side by side. I was like, damn, she really, she really is from this century. Like she, <laughs> like, yeah. There's also a really great joke to be had after that moment where uh, they they you know they get it on, and he's like, I want to marry you, and she's like, Well, according to heaven, we are married, and it's like, fuck, are you serious? <laughs> what kind of bullshit is that? What kind of heaven is that? <laughs> One time. Yeah, this is one it. time, and we're married in the eyes of heaven. Ugh, God, why didn't someone tell me that? <laughs> what if I didn't want to marry? Oh, yeah. this, good thing this worked out for me. But there's got to be other people here. They're like, "Fuck, really? Damn, damn, man! What happens if you know you had sex with two women on the same day? What kind of polygamy shit do you guys have running here? Do you just like- instantly <laughs> cancel the other one out? Is that how it works? <laughs> Be like, well, he was married for five minutes, and then he. Married that one. Let's just call it what it is, Tim. He, he fucked her, okay? He, he's not marrying anyone. He's just going around sticking his dick in any angel that moves. Um, and that's another thing, because they said, she's like, he's like, is there angels? And she goes, they're old guard. And then that one thing that I've never noticed is they're talking right before they get married, like for real married or ceremony married, is they're talking to an angel, and the angel has no idea how to perform a marriage ceremony. And I was like, wait, that's an angel? Oh, the wings. Shit. The wings. Huh. Never noticed that before. So it was just like one of those things where, like, there seems, there's some weird gaps. Like, everything in heaven is way too interesting for them to, like, try to figure out what's going on earth. Nobody's looking on earth to see what's happening at all. They don't, they just don't give a shit. Like, that sort of thing. Like... And I really feel like they could have reimagined uh, computers in a different way. It's so 80s. It's so 80s. Even though the one guy has like a like a Ziggy, you know, from Quantum Leap. Like he's like, doo, 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 doo. like that guy went back to heaven. I mean, that guy went back to Earth. He's, he's gone. Like that sort of thing. Ziggy says there's a 97% chance that he went back to Earth, like already, like that sort of thing. But the other, compu- the other children are like working on these like Macintosh. And <laughs> <laughs> the dead school, the kids, like the, the Apple twos, um, the school of yeah. dead children, the school, <laughs> lots of dead children, dead children everywhere. Everyone you see is dead or hasn't made it to earth yet. Like, but, it's that like, sort of thing. but why do you got Here's the thing that I don't get, okay? And then, and then, and then we gotta wrap this shit up because, because we could just talk about this for days, right. Assuming again, and I'm I know I'm asking this, even though the like again, I've said many times there are no rules in this movie. They've made no. the decisions. But in this world, so I won't ask why, because I know why, because that's the answer, because fuck it is the answer. <laughs> but the question 
But the point is this. In this world, they have a school for dead children because clearly these kids died and they still need to learn shit. Right. Even though when they do go back, we're just going to reboot the fuck out of them anyway. (laughs) So what are they learning that they need to know? Do they need to know shit about heaven? I don't know. I don't. Well, yeah, because well, they're teaching them. That's the other thing. Because they go to that. that when Can they Mike just be able to eat world. lollipops and fucking yeah, I, jump on? Like, what, isn't heaven supposed to be like a reward? They got to go to school. What kind of bullshit? Well, they got it. Well, they saw the one kid had that massive book. So clearly, in heaven, they give no fucks about. Well, they're like, you got to keep up with us, Sonny Jim. You got to know what we know. Like, you got to know. So mm. you don't want to have to talk down to you. Like, heaven's just one of those professional things where they're just like, nope. 10 years old you're reading that shakespeare you better get yourself in here and accustom yourself to these classics sir you better get it on we're gonna have daily discussions at dinner time you better have some shit we're gonna test you you better know you better act (laughs) like you know don't be coming here talking like you haven't read descartes you better get in there and read that shit yeah you could be here for a thousand years catch up give him that kafka shit um like you know what i mean (laughs) here's some james baldwin for you no, like literally, there's no rules. There's no rules and no idea, no even discussions as to what future computers or heavenly computers would look like because apparently in heaven, everybody's using Apple IIs, um, which, uh, you know, I guess Steve Jobs made it to heaven then. Like, fuck yeah. it. Like, <laughs> in our version, we're avoiding technology at all. Things just get like, things just are uploaded into your brain because you're in fucking heaven. Right. We don't need technology in heaven. It's the stupidest thing. Yeah, no. There was that show that wasn't like, was half good called Upload on Amazon. Did you see this? Oh, I love that show so much. It was okay. There's parts of it that I really, really liked. Um, No, but talk about a love story that you buy. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. That one that worked. Yeah, the, the part like that one like is an eighty percent for me. I'm like eighty percent of that is great, and then twenty percent I'm like, eh. um, but the eighty percent of that works. I'm like, but that's good world building. There's some good world building in there. There's like they make choices. It's smart, and and the idea of like the technology aspect works because it's built inside of a technology thing that if it ever gets dated, you're like, okay, yeah, but it's of its time, right? And and it'll be fine. But if you're going to do something where it's like heaven is like this real science fiction thing, don't use technology. Right. Because <laughs> no matter what. That's the thing. Like they actually mixed it where the afterlife is able to interact with the real life. So you forgive it because that's what the technology is available at the time. Like you said, you, you sort of forgive it for that. But it's like you said, it's weird because it's like, because I guess you, they mentioned heaven is timeless, right? Because yeah. the idea is like these people, like when he dies, it's the 50s. Mm-hmm. They got computers from the 80s in heaven. Mm-hmm. When they send them back, it's the 60s. Those computers still don't exist yet. <laughs> that were in heaven. <laughs> so they say, like, that's the thing. Are they saying that heaven is only as far as how we are in a main timeline? Like the main timeline, like, well, we finally, I guess the end of the movie, we finally caught up to ourselves. It, we're it, in present we're, day where you're supposed pretty, to be watching this movie. The, the sentence you just said is you put way more thought into that than anyone put into any of the world building in this <laughs> way more like someone started saying something like that in the pitch meeting and they're like shut the fuck up I'm so bored I'm so bored pass me the line of coke and just shut the fuck up 
literally it feels like something like so this movie was like the like facilitating some kind of coke deal some sort of massive coke deal yeah like it was a front for some sort of like shell company that they were like well we got to actually make a movie man like you can't just have a production company that doesn't make shit yeah some people like, yeah. some pa asked that on set about those computers and they're just like shut up ralph like, okay, this is why I'm nobody sorry. likes you ralph yeah this is why i won't read your script ralph <laughs> oh god all right man well thank here's the thing we're now gonna make our thing okay uh and so i'm glad we watched this uh because if no, for no reason other than to spawn the thing that we that we make it infinitely better <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but there's because it is like there's good i can see why like you have a fondness for this because there is such such great ideas in here mm-hmm. and there is something really like there is something universal and again it's like one of those things where it's just like so often you know uh as as it as a storyteller as an industry we, we remake these things we love just because because we love them and we want to be part of them you know where it's like no man remake the shit that didn't quite work but it had like a great concept you know, I take take like that's what we should be doing is like finding an idea that was like was so close, and, and by and I'm being very generous when I say so close to this one, <laughs> and just like and just take it to that and do the work that they didn't do, yeah. or just and or fix the stuff they didn't you know. And I think that's the case like this like there's there's good ideas inside of here, but they just didn't develop it properly. Well, my favorite moment in this movie just to sort of bring it home, is like the, one of the most low-key, where he's like looking in the mirror, and he ruins it two minutes later with throwing the this drink in the mirror's face. Um, but like my favorite moment is him like just running his hands through his hair, and he he doesn't even make a sound. It's just the internal process. You can watch like the actor trying to like, and in a good way, you're watching him try to figure out, what is my purpose here? What am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. And he's just reached that point post Lucille where he's just got his ass kicked. And he's like, why did I wander into that situation? What am I doing on this planet? I don't know. I'm just drifting. And of course, literally they say that he's drifting in the next scene. Like he's like, they, they, they literally, in case you didn't, in case you're dumb. In case you're not able to grasp the subtlety of this movie. But even as a kid, I grasped (laughs) that moment of like, what am I doing and why am I doing it? There's something in my head, even without, uh, I mean, we, they also are doing the parallel of her, like, you know, where she's in jail. Like, that's a nice reveal. I like that part too. Um, but like, he doesn't know what he's doing. And that idea of, of, you know, not knowing what your purpose is and just trying to find it and having wandering into shit just because, uh that's where you you know that's the only thing that you can think to do because you've got to do something you know and then i just identify with that heart as a kid as a character i feel like it's one of the best things and it's done so subtly that it's really a shame that he ruins it two seconds later by throwing his drink in the in the mirror's face like i ah you had me and then you lost me and then you know the idea of the book is great too. She writes that book about yeah, but again, like so underused. Yeah, 
It's just like a, it's like a cute little throwaway they do, mm-hmm. and it's so it's doing so much. Like they're acting like it's not doing so much in the movie, they, but it's just a throwaway for them. Um, because that would be such a thing if they saw each other. Because the, the the end, the, I think I definitely feel differently about the ending now that I'm an adult. Um, and I've watched this movie many times, but the idea of them meeting on the street could be so great if they just met each other, like they just did did that and they struck up a conversation and he like quotes her book at her and she goes, why did you say that? And he goes, oh, it's just something from my favorite book. And she was like, I wrote that book. And he's like, really? And they just start having a conversation about the book and like how they met and what it meant to them. And he starts pouring out what, what this book has meant to him over like, you know, different points in his life, like where he was at his low point or something like that. This book is sort of what kept him on the rails. And he starts talking about, you know, the thing. And she starts talking about this moment as a kid where she imagined someone. And she's like, I imagined him. And she's literally describing him or what he looks like or what he's what he's been like. And these experiences that he's had or something like that, maybe in, a, in previous lives or different other things. And he's just like the two of them are vibing and you they finally meet this one thing. And then he says something like, I would like to take you out dancing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we've never danced like, you know what I mean? And yeah. she's like, I, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that's how you end that movie. That's how you end that fucking movie. But it doesn't. And they just like immediately revert back to who they were at the beginning of the movie. And you're like, okay. And now they also have Telepath powers, they're both Professor X. Okay, cool, cool, cool. They're mutants. This is now an X-Men movie. <laughs> yeah. Special powers. Some bullshit. Yeah. It just falls flat. And they blast that 80s song with the metallic trumpet. And my wife hates it. And she's looking at me like, why did I marry you? I love you so much. And you love this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's, this is your like your old sweater from college you will not throw out and she's like when you're not looking one day i'm just gonna throw it out i'm gonna delete that shit from your hard drive yeah like you know cause there's a couple of things that me and my wife do not agree on and like like one of them is like fleetwood mac but i you know what i have evidence with fleetwood mac you know fleetwood mac clearly has props they have lyrics that are like fucking rulers make bad lovers you better put your kingdom up for sale is literally one of the greatest lyrics of all time i don't give a shit what anybody says what's and what's the thing your wife loves that you do not uh well she doesn't like fleetwood mac she doesn't love but what's the opposite what's something she likes and you're like what the fuck pretty little liars (laughs) (laughs) loves pretty little liars um loves it and i i can't I can't. Yeah. Wait. My wife and also, I go ahead. House Hunters. Oh, house yeah. my, my wife and I have a very specific Venn diagram wherein we meet on pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that we like that because that gives us lots of other things to talk about because we don't we don't love all the same things when it comes to like because I'm also like I love I will watch anything. Right. As long as it's good where she's very specific about what she wants to watch and what she won't watch. So me just finding like where we meet in the middle is always like, Oh, I think we can watch these like 10 shows. (laughs) Well, my wife loves these mysteries that like twist and turn and twist and turn so many times that they come like a corkscrew and they've convoluted so much. There's no longer a Venn diagram. It's like MC's Escher's cork, like spiral. 
like just down and down into the to the depths and you're just like where you know people who are heroes become villains and the villains have become heroes now it's been so long there's been so everybody's uh, you know double crossed each other eight times like that sort of thing and i'm just like i'm beyond the the point of credulity here uh i can't i can't i was done with this like maybe two seasons ago yeah, this, this is some soap opera shit going on here. <laughs> but my wife like loves that shit, and I just I can't. Ah, bless her. Uh, yeah, bless but her. this movie and 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 uh, we we do not we do not meet, and we, it is a bridge that we cannot cross. And I'm pretty sure, like after tonight, she uh, she lined it with dynamite and she blew it up. So then, <laughs> well, you, you can tell her. You can tell her. It's all going to lead to to a beautiful baby you and I are going to make. Good. Uh, she'll be like, I'm glad something protected me by the <laughs> <laughs> Because what you did tonight was not. Um, and because you're going to be like, did Jeremy like the movie? And you can be like, not really, but. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened was, um, yeah, no. So uh, I, I'm glad. I'm glad at least that we were able to suss out from from the ashes a phoenix shall rise. Um, because yeah, I, even I have issues with this movie now. I still love the naked romanticism of it. I don't think that'll ever change. Um, and it's still one of those things. Like every two or three years, I'll just rewatch it to see where I am in my life and see how I feel about it then. But like, even me just like redoing that ending right on this podcast where I was thinking about it, like even that ending would have felt much better to me than what I just watched. Like. They just toss that book in there. Like it's just a hat that they leave on the ground. And it, oh, that bothers me. As a writer, that just bothers me. You know what song's got to be like in that thing? That uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth song. <laughs> oh, baby, you know. You know the song, right? Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for introducing me to this uh, this very unique film. <laughs> that, that I can categorically say I would not have watched if it wasn't for you no. pushing it on me. So thank you for that uh, because it inspired this very enjoyable conversation <laughs> and, uh, and 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 some some brainstorming that you and I are going to do very shortly. I want a T-shirt that says "Trans People Run Heaven." We're going to make that shirt. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for Made in Heaven. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.